Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Hey friend, how's it going? Have you downloaded this book yet at jimheskett.com forward slash free? Uh, if you download this, you get, uh, if you download there, you get this one and the Micah Reed novel Airbag Scars, which you can't buy anywhere else in the world, and um, uh, an ebook that's like six of my books, all the first couple chapters from them. Um, and I, I, I hope you did that, and I hope you're enjoying it. Um, Airbag Star- Scars is a pretty cool novel, and you can't you can't buy it anywhere. You can't get a paperback or e-back. E-back? Hmm. I mean ebook or um, audiobook version of it anywhere in the world, but uh, you can't pay for it. You can get it for free there. And I hope you're also checking out jimeskit.com forward slash contest uh, to see what you can win for free. Anyway, um, I'm going to make this today's episode kind of short and sweet because I've got to go pick up my kid from daycare here in a little bit. So let's just go ahead and get into our reading. Today we're going to read chapter 13. Uh, So let's go ahead and do that. This is Museum Attack. I am the author Jim Heskett. You are you. And Lane Parish is Lane Parish. And so we're going to read chapter 13. Lane examined his M4 and found it sizzling to the touch. That might explain why it had jammed. He swung the rifle around to his back and unclipped a Beretta 92FS from his belt. He checked the magazine and noted it was full. He was more comfortable with handguns anyway, ever since he retired. Assault weapons were a young man's tool. For a killing machine, the pistol grip felt like an old friend. He shuffled down the stairs to the landing on the floor below and pointed the pistol up, waiting for the guard he'd left alive to come rumbling after him. But he didn't. Lane waited there for two full minutes and no one came into the stairs. He considered retracing his steps and bursting out through the door to finish the invader, but what if he was there waiting to shoot the first thing he saw? Lane couldn't trust he was faster on the draw. Then he heard something by the nearby door. He crept over to it and dropped to the floor. A pair of shadows cutting under the door indicated two feet on the other side. The shadows swerved. The man was now standing with his back to the door. A walkie-talkie squawked. Lane closed his eyes and listened. He pushed his ear toward the crack to hear better. Yes, said a voice. Lane couldn't pick out the voice coming through the walkie, too scratchy. Am I to pursue or not? More scratchy reply. Yes, sir, understood. The conversation ended and the feet stayed in place. Ten seconds later, another set of shadows appeared. Now there were four outside the door. Two men rooted in place, both of them facing away from the door, guarding it. Lane knew their game. They were going to plant armed men outside the exits from this maintenance stairwell to trap him inside and force him to come out. He'd lost his primary method of sneaking around the building. Taking the elevator was too dangerous, and they obviously knew that. He considered bursting out, killing the two men, and then finding the nearest window, shooting it out, and then trying to escape the building via the outside, somehow. Maybe he could find a storm drain to descend. But then, that would leave the hostages no better off than they were before. Plus, he would have the ring of barricades to contend with. No, he had to stay in here. Had to do something from inside. An idea popped into his head. The roof. 
If he could get up there, he could talk to SWAT and brief them on what to expect if they tried to raid the building. Maybe they could drop him some explosives, or they could even deliver backup via chopper and he could sneak them down the maintenance stairs. If he had three or four SWAT team members with him, then bursting through one of these guarded stairwell doors didn't seem so futile. He hustled up the stairs all the way to the seventh floor, panting, gear attachments jangling on his belt, sweaty inside the body armor. He paused outside the door marked seven. There wasn't another way up because the stairs ended. No roof access from the stairs. Shit. Maybe he could still find roof access somewhere else on this floor. He kicked open the door to find an invader on the other side, caught off guard. Lane shot him twice in the forehead before the man could get a finger on the trigger of his M4, dead before he even fell to the ground. As he slid down the wall he'd been leaning against, a trail of blood marked his passage. Two holes in the wall where the bullets had exited. He died with his eyes open, staring straight ahead, that same expression of surprise on his face. Lane relieved the dying man of his sidearm and pistol magazines, which he shoved in his pocket. He lifted the M4 strap over the dead man's head, removed the magazine from the rifle, and ejected the round from the chamber. Then he smacked the rifle against the floor until it had broken into pieces. He had no use for two assault rifles. Better to leave them with one less to use against him. Then, the rush of adrenaline caught up with him. How many had he killed? Two? Three? The deaths already blurred in his mind. If he lost count, he might be in for a rough episode if an unexpected one surprised him with a gun against his temple. With a hand braced on the wall, he heaved a few breaths to calm himself. This day, this craziness, was the sort of thing that usually existed only in his life before retirement. If he stopped too long to think about it, he might become distracted. He did everything possible to keep the image of his daughter's face out of his mind. If that happened, he would lose his edge. Jasmine. Focus on Jasmine and helping her escape. Lane continued along the floor, seeking roof access. There were no doors indicating anything like that, no panels in the ceiling possibly hiding a pull-down ladder. After hunting for five full minutes, he gave up. No way could he get to the roof from here. Going back down the stairs wasn't an option if they were guarding the exits on each floor. He had only one way out remaining, the elevator. He found it at the entrance to the floor's main exhibit space. Lane didn't bother to look inside the room to see which exhibit was there. He had tunnel vision, driven by adrenaline and the constant threat of finding a bullet around any corner. He removed the knife from his belt and jabbed it into the crack between the closed elevator doors. Once it had opened an inch, he stowed the knife and pried the doors apart. Inside, he found himself looking down an endless elevator shaft. A cable hung in the middle, a line of gray amid all the black. And when he looked up, he saw an unmarked, flat ceiling. No roof access here, either. You've gotta be kidding me, he said, nearly growling. From the direction he'd come, Lane heard a door swing open, footsteps thundering onto the tile. Apparently, they'd changed their minds about waiting for him. He looked left and right. He didn't know the layout of this floor, didn't know where he could hide. And based on the number of footfalls he heard coming toward him, he had no notion of taking on the group racing in his direction. At least four, maybe five of them. Only one choice he could see. He stepped into the elevator shaft, his feet spreading out to land on the rungs of a metal ladder. With one arm gripping the ladder to keep himself from falling, he reached out with the other and snatched one elevator door. Grunting, he wrenched it closed. Then, the other. When they pressed shut, the shaft became utterly dark. 
He sealed himself inside only a few seconds before the footsteps roared into the lobby in front of the elevators, then paused. Muted voices carried on. Lane, holding on for dear life, breathed, trying to make it sound as little as possible. Then, the footsteps continued, growing quieter. He let out a massive breath and surveyed the area, eyes now becoming adjusted to the dark. He was standing on a long ladder like a fire escape outside a building. The elevator shaft itself was relatively smooth, occasionally broken by small running lights or grates, leading out to somewhere. Now what the hell was he supposed to do? And scene. Excellent. That's chapter 13 in Museum Attack, and thank you all so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited that you're coming on this ride with me. We've only got a few chapters uh, to go, and then it'll be time for something else. But for now, Museum Attack Lane Parish, and it's getting exciting, right? Right. I hope it's not just exciting for me, and I wrote the damn thing. I already know how it's going to end. So anyway, <laughs> thanks guys. I got to get out of here. I hope you're having a great day and uh, be kind to everybody else. Uh, and then maybe they'll be kind to you too. But even if they're not, be kind to them. And do I sound uh, um, condescending when I'm saying that stuff? I hope not. I'm just, uh, I'm saying it because I need to learn how to live it. All right, guys, take care. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.